gives it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. You understand the bread represented his body. He said, do this in remembrance of me. So when we receive communion, we're doing it in remembrance of, of the Lord. And then in verse 20, likewise. So in the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And no doubt there was, there was juice in that, in that cup. And he says, it's a new covenant in my blood, which is what? Which is shed for you. So we want to just today talk about Jesus' body and blood. Uh, let's just say a few things about his body. He said there in verse 19, this is my body, which is given for you. Some, uh, some uh, places it says is broken for you. You know, his body was broken for us. You understand that. The book of Hebrews said that God, the Father, prepared a body for Jesus to, to take on. And, of course, he took on that body when he was conceived in the womb of the Virgin, Mary. Nine months later, he was born, and a body was prepared for Jesus and uh, he was born in Bethlehem. He took on that body, took on human form, laid down not his possession of deity, but his expression of deity. He laid the expression down, not the possession of it. He never ceased being God. But in 1 Peter 2.24, 1 Peter 2.24 tells us something more about his body. It says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross, or on the tree, but that's the cross. So himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree or on the cross. So you need to realize that when he hung on the cross, he was bearing in his body our sins. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. And then it says, by whose stripes you are healed. So his body hung there on that cross bearing our sins and also bearing our sickness and carrying our disease. Now in Isaiah the 53rd chapter in the 5th and 6th verses Isaiah 53 5 says this he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. So you understand that when Jesus went to that whipping post and they beat him immersively and, and then, of course, crucified him, that those wounds were for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. So there's the sin element. He bore our sins in his own body, you see, our transgressions, our iniquities. And then it says, the Bible says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So that has to do with the soul. He, he bore all mental malady and depression and oppression for us so that we wouldn't have to. And then it says, by his stripes we are healed. So Isaiah said it, and then Peter, quoting Isaiah, said it, that by his stripes we are healed. So we need to realize that in his body he bore our sins and he also bore our sickness and disease. And then it says, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the what? The iniquity or the sin of us all. So you need to realize that when Jesus hung there 
uh, suspended between heaven and earth that, that God the Father laid on him the iniquity of us all and Jesus bore the penalty for our sin. Now in Isaiah, you're right there in Isaiah 53, just go up one chapter, Isaiah 52, verse 14 in the uh, classic Amplified Bible. It reads like this, and this is really a uh, 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 very interesting verse here. It gives us some insight to what Jesus looked like on the cross as he hung there. It says, for as many, we're talking about his body here, for as many, the servant of God, that's talking about Jesus, the Lord, became an object of what? Of horror. Many were astonished at him. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's and his form beyond that of the sons of men. But just as many were astonished at him. That's what he looked like on the cross. Unrecognizable as a man. And I think there's a, a verse up in, uh, in, in chapter 53. We won't turn to it. But, but it says, We hid as it were our faces from him. It was such a, hor- hor- such a sight of horror that the people there hid their faces. Have you ever seen something come on television that was so horrible that you'd have to hide your face? Anybody ever do that? Well, if you'd have been there at the cross, it was so horrible as as Jesus, as the sins and sickness and disease of all mankind was laid on him and uh, he became unrecognizable, bearing the punishment for sin for you and me and and carrying our sickness and disease and his body became so so well it says it right there an object of horror that people hid their eyes it was it was, it was so horrible we need to realize that never forget that about the body of the lord jesus christ what he what he did in his own body for us can you say amen and so just wanted to mention some things about his body because that's what this bread represents when we receive it here in a little bit. That, 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 that cracker there, that represents his body. And when we receive that, we need to remember what he went through for us so we don't have to go through it ourselves, you see. Now, now let's say some things about his blood. The blood of Jesus. We had already read in Luke 22, he said, this is my blood uh, which is shed for you. So he shed his blood for us. He gave not only his body, but he shed his blood. And so what did, or why, I'll say this, what, what, what significance was the blood? Why did he need to shed his blood? The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Now that word remission means to be set free from or can mean forgiveness. So without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. There's no setting free of sin. And um, now we read Luke's account of the Last Supper. Let's go to Matthew 26 and 28. Let's read Matthew's account. Because you've got to put Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John together to get the full picture of what happened. And... Uh, He said, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Now, why does it say for all? Well, certainly it's shed for all, but not all is going to take advantage of it. He shed his blood for all, but the reason it says many is it only only goes into effect if you believe on him and receive him, you see. 
So that's the many he's talking about. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the what? For the remission of sins. And of course, the word remission, I've already mentioned it a little bit to you, but a lot of folks may not know what that means, but it means forgiveness. Um, it, 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 if you really study into it, it means freeing from the punishment of something. His blood freed us from the punishment of something. Well, what is that something? Well, that something is, is hell. How many of you glad that his blood set us free from going to hell? I really feel it would be good if every person on this earth could get just one glimpse of hell. How bad that is. I mean, if we, if we really knew what hell was really like, and we know the blood of Jesus has set us free from going to that place, we'd ever last one of us. I mean, even the Baptists would start dancing on the streets and, and shouting and yelling. You understand what I'm saying? Praise God forevermore. I'm so glad His blood has set me free from the punishment of going to hell. We need never forget that. Uh, the word remission also means to pardon. To pardon. You've heard probably if you've listened to any news lately, the word pardon has come up. And, uh, you know, if somebody has sentenced, and, and I don't want to get into all the legalities of the pardon, but, but just simply put, you can be sitting in, 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 in prison, and if the president pardons you, no matter what you've done, at least on a federal level, if the president pardons you, they'll come in and they'll, they'll take the handcuffs off, they'll unlock the door, and they'll let you walk free like you never did anything wrong to, in the first place. Is that, isn't that right? That's what a pardon is. Now, now, there's something you have to understand about this pardon. Once people are sitting in hell, you can't be pardoned then. So, so, so the pardon God has extended is different than the presidential pardon. Because a presidential pardon, when you're sitting in the prison, if the president pardons you, you can be taken out of there. See, with this pardon, you've got to take advantage of it before you get into the prison of hell. Did you hear what I just said? You've got to take advantage of it before you breathe your last. See, people that have gone to hell and it's too late. That pardon, the, pardon, the pardon of God doesn't extend into the pit of hell. But I tell you what, it extends right up to the doors of hell. You need to understand that. It extends, you see, the pardon of God doesn't extend after you've taken your last breath, but the pardon of God extends right up to the point that you take your last breath. And if you'll call on the name of the Lord, the power of God will go into effect and the pardon power of God will operate, praise God, and the blood of Jesus will pardon you from all sin. Can you say amen? You see, Adam and Eve committed high treason against God in the Garden of Eden. And they sold all mankind into the slave market of sin. You need to realize that. Causing us to be banished eternally from the presence of God and sentencing all mankind to an eternity in a devil's hell. I want to say that again. I want you to get that. Adam and Eve committed high treason against God. And they sold you and me, all mankind, into the slave market of sin. Bound in that slave market with no way of escape. Not only that, causing us to be banished eternally from the presence of God and sentencing all mankind to an eternity in a devil's hell. That's what Adam and Eve, that's the predicament they put us in. 
But aren't you glad that Jesus came and shed his holy blood and pardoned us and, 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 and his blood unlocks the door to that slave market of sin and allows us to escape and walk out set free. Glory to God forevermore. I get excited about that. I, I really do. I, I just, I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. I'm so glad that the blood of Jesus has redeemed me, has set me free from the slave market of sin. And not only that, but he is, that blood allows us access into the presence of God, as we'll see. Notice, if you would, First Peter 1, if you turn there, First Peter 1.18, First Peter 1.18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Again, that word redeem is kind of akin, certainly, to remission. The word redeem means to purchase by payment of a ransom. To purchase by payment of a ransom. Knowing that you were not redeemed. Well, to purchase by payment of a ransom. Jesus said, I don't have it in the scriptures here today, but he said, I give my life a ransom for many. How many remembers him saying that? And, and right here, knowing that you are not redeemed. What does that word redeem mean? It means to purchase by the payment of a ransom. You are not. So what happens when somebody's kidnapped? They kidnap somebody. Sometimes they'll try to kidnap the child of a very rich person. And what will they do? They'll, they'll put a ransom on that. Is that right? They want that rich person to pay a whole lot of money to set their child free. Well, God paid. See, see, we Adam and Eve sold us into the slave market of sin, and Jesus and, and there's a great ransom put on us. And Jesus came, and and, and 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 as you'll see, let's read on here. We're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tra- tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. You see, the Heavenly Father paid far more than silver or gold for us. He paid with the most precious thing that there is, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Cost God everything that He has to get you and me out of the slave market of sin. Cost God everything He had to get us out of the kingdom of darkness and over into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of His dear Son. It cost Him the life of His only begotten Son. It cost Him... The blood of his only son, only begotten son. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. See, when, when that rich person's child is kidnapped, the ransom is silver or gold or a money amount. Is that correct? But you see, uh, for us to buy us back from that kingdom of darkness, it costs more than silver or gold. It costs the blood, the precious blood. Realize, say precious blood. You are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. As a lamb, verse 19 says, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. I think we ought to, I think we ought to read verse 18 together. Put the 18 back up there, could you? Let's just read it together. We'll just take our time with this. Let's put verse 18 back up. 
And then we'll read, let's read this together. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. God thinks a lot of you and a lot of me because he paid everything he had. I mean, cost him more than the pearly gates of heaven. More than the streets of gold. Notice Acts 20, verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He was speaking to the elders there, I think at the church of Ephesus, the Holy Ghost to the Apostle Paul. And he said to them, he said to the, the pastors here, he said, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock He's talking about the people of the church, among which the Holy Spirit's made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he, Jesus, did what? Purchased with his, with his what? With his own blood. Boy, that blood of Jesus is precious, isn't it? He purchased us with his own blood. There's another verse of scripture says, you are not your own but you were bought with a price. What was that price? It was the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was his holy blood. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says, without the shedding of blood, there's no atonement for the soul. It cost the blood of Jesus. You need to realize you and I have been purchased. We've been bought. Now look at Colossians 1.14, the classic Amplified. If you don't realize, they changed the Amplified some time ago. And the, the one that the old Amplified is now called the classic. They've just upgraded it some, and I don't necessarily care for the new one. I like the older one, so that's what we use. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the new one, but that's why they, the C is on there now. Notice this, Colossians 1.14 in the classic Amplified, in whom we have redemption. Well, what does redemption mean? We've been set free. In whom we have freedom, redemption, through his what? Through his what? Through his blood, which means what? The forgiveness of sins. It's wonderful, isn't it? And then in Hebrews 9, 12, notice this, not with the blood of goats and calves. You realize in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the blood of animals was used. And the blood of the animals were just a type of the blood of the Lord Jesus. And the blood of the animals only covered sin and only for a season. And so the blood of the animals had to be shed again and again and again and again. If you study the Old Testament at all, going to church or going to the synagogue, going to the temple, uh, you'd have to bring sacrifices and animals. And animals were killed and blood was shed before you could get into that temple. Is that right? 
See, we don't realize that today as we should. Blood had to be shed before you could get in there. Well, you need to realize this. Blood was shed and needed to be shed for you to get make entry through that door back there. Only it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats and calves. It was the blood of the Lord Jesus. And while the blood of the bulls and the goats had to be shed year after year and time after time, and, and they, it wasn't just shedding once a year, it was on ongoing. The Day of Atonement was once a year and so forth and much we could say, but there was blood, animals being killed all the time. You know, there are some, some preachers won't preach about the blood of Jesus because they say it's too gruesome. I don't, wanna, I don't, want, I don't want my congregation to be offended. But you know what? If we stop preaching about the blood of Jesus, we might as well just go go home and watch television. Is that right? I'm not offended by the blood of Jesus. I'm blessed by the blood of Jesus. But we need to realize that it was it was a it was a it was a the cross of Calvary was a a bloody place. Here, here in America, we, we, we've been so, I mean, I, I feel sorry for us in some ways. Because we lose track of what really, we, lose, we, we can't relate a lot of times. Uh, for example, I just, I don't know, I'll just use this as an example. But uh, what if all of a sudden the grocery stores were closed down? Now all of a sudden we're going to have to be like Jed Clampett. We're going to go, have to go out and look for some food, aren't we? Huh? I wonder how many of us in here could skin a rabbit or skin a squirrel. I mean, think about it. We've, we've, been, we've been so removed from that. I remember my mama skinning squirrels and skinning rabbits. But see what he, uh, I mean, and, and I'm the same way, uh, you know. But just think if we had to go out shooting for, you know, go out hunting. Maybe we hit a gusher like Jed. I don't know. But, but the point is we're removed from that. You understand that? If, if most people in the United States had to go hunt for their, their food, we'd, if me, I'd be, we'd probably wind up starving. You know what I mean? Like, like in days gone by. Days long gone by. See, we don't handle, it sounds gruesome, but we don't handle dead bodies here. Somebody dies in the United States for the most part. We call the mortician, don't we? But in days gone by, people handle their own dead. Didn't they? Is that, is that right? They didn't embalm them that I'm aware of. They did put them in a suit, laid them in a, and then people come over to the house and so on, and they take them and bury them. We, see, we, we've been removed from, from a lot of this stuff that we think is gruesome. Well, let me tell you, the cross of Calvary was a gruesome place. Going to the temple back in the old covenant was, it was in many ways very gruesome because sacrifices had to be brought and, and throats of animals had to be cut and blood had to, had to flow. Which all was a type of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm just so glad Jesus has come and he's gone to Calvary and he shed his blood for us once and for all, aren't you? Amen. 
And so Hebrews 9.12 says, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained what? What? Eternal what? Redemption. Is that wonderful? Is that wonderful? Once and for all, he entered the holy place once and for all. It doesn't have to be done again, just one time. And he obtained eternal redemption. See, a lot of people don't realize this as they should. But when Jesus was raised from the dead, and you can see this in the book of Hebrews, he went up. Now, this was, be, this was before, you remember before the ascension, remember when he went up and the disciples saw him go up? This was before that. How many remembers when he came out of the tomb and Mary was there? Eventually she showed up and he was going to touch her. How many remembers that? And he said, touch me not for I have not yet what? Ascended. But, 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 and that was consistent with Old Testament type. Could, couldn't touch the sacrifice. So he went up and when he went up into heaven, he went into the heavenly holy of holies. You could see this in the book of Hebrews and we just read it. He went into the heavenly holy of holies and he presented his blood on that heavenly mercy seat. And it was accepted by God the Father and he sealed eternal redemption. He sealed eternal freedom from sin. He sealed uh, eternally that we never have to go to hell if we'll place our faith in him. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. That's exciting, isn't it? Ephesians 2.12 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, see, before we received Jesus, we were heathens, we were cut off from the life of God, but once you received Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. What does the blood of Jesus do? It, it, it frees us from that sin market, that slave market of sin. It brings us out of the kingdom of darkness. It brings us over into the kingdom of light. It satisfies the claims of a holy God, you see. And it brings us near to that holy God, the blood of Jesus. Notice Hebrews ten nineteen. Are you liking all the scriptures that we have for you today? If you attend here, that's what you're going to get. And that's good, isn't it? Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, that's talking about up in heaven, what, what gives us access? By the what? By the, by the blood of Jesus. That's the reason we can approach God the Father, because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Colossians 1.20. Colossians 1.20. And by him, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the what? Through the blood of his cross. See, we have peace with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed on the cross. Because a lot of people don't know all this is in there about the blood. There's a lot in the Bible about the blood of Jesus. I'm so thrilled about the blood. Absolutely thrilled. You know, in the Old Testament, does anybody remember the 10 plagues that God brought on Egypt? How many remembers those 10? Anybody remember those 10? And much we could say about it, but what was the 10th one? The death of the 
firstborn. And remember, he, he, he told Moses and he gave him instructions. He said, and he said take, the, take the lamb and take the blood of the lamb and apply it on the doorpost. And if you study it out, the blood of the lamb, see that blood was a type of the blood of the Lord Jesus, you know. And the way they put that blood on the doorpost and the sides, it was in the form of a cross, you know. And anybody that was inside the house that had the blood on the doorpost, you know, in that form of a cross, when the, when the destroyer came through the land, when that death angel came through the land, it would pass over, realize, say pass over, it pass over, glory to God, anybody that was under that blood. I don't know about you, but I want to be under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that blood in the old covenant was a type, a foreshadowing of what the blood of the Lord Jesus does for us. It causes the judgment of God to pass over us. I know about you, but I don't want to have anything to do with the judgment of God. As good as God is, he's, he, he, he is love, he's wonderful, but there is, the Bible says, behold the goodness and the severity of God. And we emphasize the goodness of God around here, but there is a severe side, there is a judgment side to him. And I don't want any part of that. And the only way to have no part of the judgment side of God is to receive Jesus. And when you receive him, the blood of Jesus is applied to your heart, if you will, and the judgment of God will pass over us. Glory to God. In Romans 5, 9, the Bible says this, much more than having now been justified by his blood. Well, what does the word justify mean? It means to be made righteous or to, to be declared righteous. See, because of the blood of Jesus, we've been, when we receive Jesus, God declares us righteous. We have right standing with God because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when people came to the temple in the Old Covenant, which is a type of where we live now, when they came to the temple, God wouldn't look at the person, he'd look at their sacrifice. So as we approach God, you know, sometimes we feel so unworthy and so so down and whatnot, but when we approach God, he doesn't look at us, he looks at Jesus. How many of you are glad he looks at Jesus? We need to hold on to Jesus. Keep your trust and faith in him. And when you approach God, he doesn't look at you. He looks at Jesus. I, I like to put it this way. If you really study into the Old Testament, the law, anybody ever hear the law? And the Bible says, if you, let's say there's 100 questions on a test. And if you miss one question, now if you were in my math class and I gave you 100 questions and you missed one, you'd get an A. Is that good? Is that good? Because I used to be a math teacher. But on God's test, let's say he gives 100 questions and you miss one of them, you go to hell. Even though you got 99 of them right. We're all in trouble, aren't we? Huh? There's no partial credit. You miss one out of the 100. You get nine, but God, I got 99 right. You miss one, you go to hell. Wow. Almost doesn't seem fair. But that's the way it is. So what happened is God sent Jesus. He took the test for us and he got 100 out of 100. He got 100%. Is that wonderful? And then God says, all you got to do is trust in him and we'll give you his score. Is that wonderful? It's a good deal. Now that's a good God, isn't it? Is that, that's a good God, isn't it? 
Notice Revelation 1.5. Let's just go on here a little bit longer. See, the blood of Jesus, yes, there's forgiveness, certainly. But actually, if you really study into it, it does, the blood of Jesus does more than just forgive sin. We're going to see it washes it away, removes it. Revelation 1.5. And from Jesus Christ, a faithful witness firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Is that wonderful? He washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now that's Revelation 1. Go to Revelation 7 verse 13. Notice here we can learn some more. Then one of the elders, this is, this is, when the, this is after, after the tribulation starts. You need to realize, now I believe there's going to be a rapture of the church. The Lord himself shall, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, trumpet of God, dead and Christ shall rise first, and we hear live and remain and be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Can you say amen? I'm quoting scripture, you see. I used to take Diane out on dates, and I'd say, you want me to quote some scripture to you? <laughs> I can quote some. That's the rapture of the church. How many is looking forward to the rapture of the church? Oh, yeah. Um, but be that as it may, you need to realize that the blood of Jesus will still be effective and in, in full power after the rapture because there's going to be multitudes of people get saved after the rapture of the church. And uh, this gives us some insight into that. Then one of the elders answered me, said, who are these arrayed in white robes and where do they come from? John was in heaven at this point. He, he, he looked and he saw a whole bunch of people that had come out of the tribulation and, and who are these arrayed in white robes? Where do they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who came out of great tribulation and what and what? And washed their robes and made them white in the what? The blood of the lamb. So you see, Jesus's blood not only forgives us of sin and remits sin, but it, 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 it removes sin from us and washes us completely clean, just like the sin was never there to begin with. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, you don't have to turn there, but it, it, it says uh, in the 103rd Psalm, it says, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. Now, why does he say east and west? Because, see, north and south meet, but east and west never do. So that's how far God has moved our sin away from us. And in Hebrews 9.14, notice this. Because you see, a lot of times when people sin, they still have a consciousness of sin. But the blood of Jesus cleans us so thoroughly and makes us so white that, that it, it, it should affect our conscience as well. Notice Hebrews 9.14, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your what? Conscience from dead works to serve the living God. See, so he's cleaned us to the point that we, should any, we shouldn't even have any consciousness of sin. And his blood is so powerful, it continually cleanses the person that walks in fellowship with him. Notice 1 John 1, go there. Just give me a few more minutes. Are you getting anything out of this? Are you, you learning anything? <clears throat> if we say that we have fellowship with him, this is, this is really good here because this is, 
you know, a lot of these verses we've looked at have to do with when we repent as a sinner and come to Jesus and get saved and get born again. But now, now this verse here, these verses really pertain more to us as Christians in our everyday life, as Christians. Did you get what I just said there? Did you or didn't you? The verses we've looked at up to now really primarily have to do with what happens when a sinner repents and receives Jesus and that blood goes into operation and washes us and causes us to be born again. But now these verses have more to do with us as Christians living our everyday life. Look, look, look here, 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, that's with the Father, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, what does it do? Cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that good news right there? That's wonderful news. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. How many of you have ever missed it since you've been born again? How many of you missed it probably maybe this morning before you even got here, you know? And frankly, I think there's a lot of things we miss it in that we're not even aware of. The good news is, is that if we walk in fellowship with the Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit, even if there's things in our life that are there that shouldn't be and we're not even aware of it, aware of it His blood cleanses us from those things. That's good news, isn't it? Now, if there's something there that you're aware of, then notice in verse 9, it says, if we confess our sin. So if there's something in your life that shouldn't be there, you're aware of it, you need to repent of it, confess it. And if you do, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So if there's something there that shouldn't be, repent and confess that that blood will wash it away as though it never even happened in the first place. But what I am saying too is that there, because sometimes people come up and say, Pastor, I think there could be some things in my life that I don't even know I'm doing wrong that I'm doing wrong. Well, good news. Walk in fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and with the blessed Holy Spirit. And the blood of Jesus just continually cleanses us and keeps us clean. That's good, isn't it? And then in Revelation 12, verse 11, and they overcame him. Who's him? The devil in this context. By the what? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. The devil is scared spitless of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Absolutely. You need to realize that. The devil is afraid of Jesus. Absolutely. He's afraid of that blood. I tell you what, one way to put the devil on the run is just start preaching and teaching and singing about the blood. Amen? Glory to God. Singing about the blood. Singing about the blood. You know, I looked up some songs, some old hymns of the church. We ought to look at these once in a while. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. You know who Emmanuel is? That's Jesus, God with us. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged 
beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. I found another one. Have you been to Jesus for that cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I like some of these other verses. Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom, when the bridegroom co- comes, that's Jesus, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for His presence bright? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Be washed in the blood of the Lamb. I like those verses, don't you? Here's one one last one that I found. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Glory to God. I like those songs. Let me finish. Let me. Let me. When he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Isn't that wonderful? People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair. How many of you know God's fair? Remember a moment ago when I talked to you about that 100 question test? You know, don't you think it's unfair if you miss one out of 100, you go to hell? That's unfair, but God's fair, isn't he? So he sent Jesus to take the test for us. And he got 100, we place our faith in him, and then we don't have to go to hell. I, I talked to a fellow some days ago. Talked to him about the Lord Jesus. Talked to him about God. And he told me, he said, I don't hear nothing about a God. He said, I don't have nothing to do with a God that would send a person to hell or send people to hell. He said, I don't want to have nothing to do with a God like that. You know, God has only sent one person to the cross. And God has only sent one, read your Bible, you'll see he's only sent one person to hell. That's Jesus. The Bible says that he went to the cross, that he went into hell, that he suffered. And on the third day he was raised from the dead. 
Don't ever tell me that God's not fair. God became a man and took our punishment for us and went to hell for us so that we don't have to go. So don't ever tell me that God's not fair. He's more than fair. I said he's more than fair because he came and took the punishment for us. Do you understand that? I want to run with the God of this Bible because he's more than fair. He was fair when he held, when he, this sacrifice shows that he was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just. Somebody say amen to that. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Are you all excited about the blood of Jesus? Is, is there anybody excited about that blood besides me? I'm excited about that blood. I'm excited that God's still in the healing business. Just some weeks ago, there was a man right there that was destined for a wheelchair and a walker. And he was going to be in a nursing home. Also, I delivered to you, Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. See, in Corinth there... They were not handling this properly. They were coming together and they were eating the bread and, and they, were, they were pushing people aside and they were being rude to one another so they could get their, get their food, get their bread. And, and some of them were getting drunk on the wine and it was just a mess. And Paul said that when you're doing this stuff, you're not, you're not, you're not discerning the Lord's body properly. You need to approach this as very holy. And so that's why he said in verse 27, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner be guilty of body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself. Let him eat of the bread, drink of the cup. That's, that, that's good. Let's examine ourselves. Eat of the bread, drink of the cup. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep, many die young. See, we need to... Now that's, why I'm so, that's why I'm so adamant about this today and acting the way I am. This is holy business here. This is holy business. This is holy business. This body and blood, this holy, this holy business, holy business. And they weren't treating it as holy business in Corinth. And some of them were, were, were getting sick and dying young because of it. Now I don't want that to, I want to, I don't want that to be us. I want us to give full reverence to this body and this blood. Amen. That's why I'm acting this way. For if we judge ourselves, We'd not be judged if we judge ourselves. See, don't tell me God's not a good God. He is a good God. He lets us judge ourselves so that he won't have to judge us. Amen. So right where you are.